Hi everyone, it's Nahani Rouse, here to kick off the fall season of Can We Talk. First, a word from our sponsor, Cole Foods, the kosher grass-fed meat company, 100% woman-owned. Whether it's a turkey, a brisket, or your weekday chicken dinner, Cole Foods delivers the tastiest, healthiest kosher meat you can find. Order at kohlfoods.com. That's K-O-L-foods.com. Use the coupon code CANWETALK for a discount. Order your Thanksgiving turkey now. Okay, on to the show. Welcome back to Can We Talk, the podcast of the Jewish Women's Archive, where gender, history, and Jewish culture meet. In this season of new beginnings, we're starting with a story about Jewish innovation. But this is also a story about endings and how important they are. Let's just, like, take a breath for a minute. Our bodies traveled here physically and in spirit. We can just, like, land a little bit in where we are. We're about to go into this Hallel service, which is about praise, and I think it's also a really sweet way that we can think about, like, being in relationship with land. And throughout the service, you can just, like, feel the ground, you can look around, you can open your ears to all the lushness that we have here at Linko Flegel on Scaticoke land. It's a hot, humid day in late August. I'm at the final gathering of Linka Flegel, a queer Jewish chicken farm in New York's Hudson Valley. Linka Flegel is Yiddish for left wing, a playful double meaning that shows not just the group's politics, but their sense of fun. Groups of people sing and sway, standing shoulder to shoulder under two shade cloths stretched between saplings. The outdoor prayer space feels like a chuppah, set in a clearing in an uncut field. The service has the joy and intimacy you'd hope for at a wedding. About a hundred people have traveled here from New York, neighboring states, even as far away as England. Linkaflegel is a couple hours north of Manhattan. Its ten acres are nestled in a valley between two low mountain ranges. Nobody actually lives at Linkaflegel. A core group lives nearby in Millerton and tends the farm. For the past seven years, queer Jews, mostly in their 20s and early 30s, have come to Linkaflegel to build community, work on the farm, and dream. But today is different. Today they've come to say goodbye. Co-director Hanna Rusinoff sets the tone for this final gathering. We have been so grateful to build slow, intentional, sweet, emergent, prayerful, songful relationship with this land. And we're going to keep doing that today. And we're also going to have the gift of ending with intention, ending with love and with joy.
Linkoflegel closed at the end of the seventh year of the Jewish agricultural cycle. It's known as the year of Shemitah, Hebrew for release. In biblical times, it was a year when fields rested, the poor could harvest, and debts were forgiven. Linkoflegel's founders set out to live in sync with the rhythms of the Jewish calendar, so it seems fitting that this is the year they let their fields go. In this episode of Can We Talk?, We'll walk the land Linka Flegel tended for seven years, and we'll talk with founder Margot Siegel about the origins of the project and why it's ending. But first, let's hear from some of the people I met at Linka Flegel's last gathering. My name is Dot Rose. I use um, she and they pronouns. I'm from Philadelphia. This is a special place that I get to be where marginalized people are centered which makes me extremely comfortable and makes me feel like I can do this fight and I can be joyful and I can be my full self and um, not worry that uh, I have to hide any part of me to be accepted. My name is Aviva. I'm from Berkeley, California, but I'm living in New York City right now. I was raised like observant and like I'm trans and I feel like it's hard to find spaces that are like like conducive to ritual in a way that like satisfies the parts of me that because I really like I grew up like really loving ritual and like to be in a space that was like had so much ritual and was also like very trans and very queer was like really really incredible. My name is Ollie and I am one of the co-directors of Link of Legal here in Millerton on Scattacoke land. For me the queerness comes from how we want to like shape community in a way that makes people feel like they matter, like they have a role no matter what. For me, the queerness is like infused throughout. It's not just like, oh, this project is for queer people. It's that this project is thinking through queerness about Judaism. My name is Megan Madison. My pronouns are she and her and hers. And I'm a member of the cultural organizing team at Link of Legal. This has been a place and a space where I feel like I've gotten more in touch with like the spiritual aspect of my queerness like the relational aspect of my queerness like deepening queer friendships and queering my relationship with god or the divine and to not have to like have a a wall between those different parts of my life and now i know what that feels like to be integrated in that way. And so it almost is like, I can't really settle for anything else at this point because now I've, now it's my baseline. Jewish tradition, queer identity, and relationship to land are at the core of Linka Flegel. On a bench near the prayer structure, I find Molly. She was involved in visioning sessions in the early days of Linka Flegel. We talk about why relationship to land is such an important part of the project. I'm Molly Bagot, and I use she and her pronouns, and I live in East Hampton, Massachusetts. The goal was not to produce tons of food, but the goal was to be on land and use that as an opportunity to ask big questions about how do Jews relate to land outside of Israel when so much of the Jew- mainstream Jewish community is tied to turning towards literally the physical place that is Jerusalem. How do we connect to the land that we're on and talk about this diasporic place as being just as holy? And then how do we relate to the land in a just way, knowing that we're not from here? Um, How do we make this feel good for young adults and 
queer young adults and people who have felt disenfranchised from Judaism. And how do we retain tradition, like at the same time? How do we not throw it, throw it away? It turns out there is a tradition of Jewish farming in the Hudson Valley. It dates as far back as the 1800s, when Jews were fleeing persecution in Eastern Europe. Most Jews weren't oriented toward Palestine, and some saw communal farms in America as an alternative to crowded urban tenements. By the time Margot Siegel came to Jewish farming, it was a countercultural movement. In 2012, Margot participated in Adama, a Jewish agricultural and social justice fellowship. They were in their 20s, and queerness, Jewish identity, land, and social change were on their mind. Margot had inherited some family money, and in that context was grappling with America's history of slavery and colonialism. In the spirit of reparations, they decided to buy and gift a piece of land to Wild Seed, a group of Black, Indigenous, and people of color who wanted to start an intentional ecological community. At the same time, Margot and co-founder Aidan Zuckerman were dreaming of a queer Jewish land project. Through a series of conversations, Wildseed offered for them to farm a small piece of the land, and Linka Flegel was born. Here's Margot. We started as a chicken farm in 2016 with a vision of building a queer Jewish community on land and being the practice of coming into right relationship with land. To Margot, right relationship with land has meant that Linka Flegel pays a voluntary land tax to the local Scaticoke tribe. They also ask anyone who makes a donation to Linka Flegel to give a matching donation to a BIPOC land project. Over the past seven years, Linka Flegel has hosted dozens of gatherings. And I think we've really seen that at Linka Flegel, the way that when queer people come together on land to like pray and sing and cook together, the relationships that are built feel like there's like a depth, the quality of connection that comes from being together on land and really like taking care of one another. And yeah, I feel like I've really seen that. What was the vision behind getting queer Jews into farming and also why chickens in particular? I think the vision was to figure out both like how to sustain ourselves and also for myself at least, like how to be in regular relationship to land. And that was part of why chickens. The chickens need to be let out every morning. The door needs to be closed every evening. They need to be given water, they need to be given feed. And so committing to having chickens and raising chickens was a commitment to being in in daily relationship with this place. After the halal service, people spread out on blankets for a potluck lunch. I make my way through the crowd to follow Megan and Ollie, who are going to show me some of Linka Flegel's landmarks. Where should we start, Megan? Let's start in the back and work our way forward. Amazing. Should we start with Poop Mountain? Sure. Okay. <laughs> did you just say Poop Mountain? I did, yes. Awesome. <laughs> we wouldn't leave out some relics. We have to take you back in time. Back in time means 2016, the early days before the outhouse was built. Poop Mountain is a brambly thicket on a slope that provided privacy for an important and self-explanatory purpose. Even today, the structures here are minimal. I see a tool shed, a sukkah frame, and a kitchen area. It has counters, a sink, and a metal roof, but no walls. There used to be a trampoline, a great icebreaker for first-timers, says Megan. But as Megan and Ollie show me around Linka Flegel, something occurs to me. It's a chicken farm, 
but I don't see any chickens. So where are the chickens? They're gone now. They were slaughtered or um, found new homes. Ollie tells me they eat the chickens sometimes on special occasions. All right, should we head to the shul? Let's head to the shul. So this is the shul. There's not much to it, really. Just a few posts in the ground with sailcloth draped between them. It has the most beautiful architecture of any shul I've ever been in. <laughs> um, when you look up at the sky, like, you can stand in the middle and look all the way around 360, and no matter what the weather or the season or the time of day, you're going to see something beautiful. And in a very literal way, it helps me feel that the world is a sanctuary, that the divine is in every living thing all around me and all around us. And speaking of prayer at Linka Flegel, I was struck by the way the Hallel service stuck entirely to the traditional liturgy when so much of the ethos here is about making really fundamental change in society. I asked Margot about it. I think part of Linka Flegel Judaism has really been about like going deep in the tradition and you know there's moments where we like take things out and have like radical interpretations where we you know for the Amidah, we people go out and do a sit spot and practice being in relationship with that place over the course of their time. Um, and then there's times like at the Halal service where we're really just like diving into the ancient text fully, um, as has been done for generations upon generations. And like, I think like both are holy and both are sacred. And I think especially for many folks in our community who grew up Orthodox, that's like the way they want to pray. And I. I think, like, I've learned so much through getting to pray in that way and to really, like, stick to actually, like, what the tradition has and being the complexities of, like, we might not agree with every single thing that's said, but these are the words that have been said for generations and how do we radically reinterpret those, the meanings, um, and be in the contradictions of the things that don't sit right. Maybe the next the bus. big important thing is the bus. There's an actual blue bus parked here on the land in the main camp. Should we walk up in there? Sure, yeah, let's walk up in. We take our shoes off and climb up into a tricked-out old school bus. There's a bed at the far end, a mini library, and lots of art on the walls. There's a lot here in this small space. We got the gemach. Can we describe the contents of this gemach? And just what a gemach is, is a, like a communal supply store right like so people can come and yeah. and give things or take things yes so but I, I i really love the variety in here when it was full i remember that there were some boxers there were a few more binders there was a lot of like um sheer material of different genders there was like a sports jersey with like a rainbow collar that I, a lot of people i saw wearing there was like necklaces, a lot of yeah, headscarves. There's also a talit hanging right next to a negligee. It was really beautiful to see different people in different gendered clothing trying on ritual adornments that they had never had access to or didn't feel comfortable in or someone or ready to commit to. Like it's also nice to have a space where you can come and just like try a thing on and be like, how did that feel? Okay, let me take it off and try on another thing. There for a long time was a stove, like a wood stove here, which was the way that we heat the bus in the winter. And because it was the most like inside space, 
there were a lot of like dreaming sessions on this bus. You know, they would like turn on the wood stove, make some food, make some tea, and like stay up all night. This is like the dream space, the home space, because it's like the only place you can sleep and be warm here. <laughs> There's been massive dance parties were packed on this bus, people <laughs> grinding on the seatbelt. Yeah. I think there's also been many makeouts have happened on this bus. Yes. And so there's also usually some books about like consent and pleasure and communication just to make sure that everybody's having a good time. Yeah, there's a lot of magic on this bus. I feel like we almost forgot the garden. Should we do that now? Oh yeah, garden. Okay. Yeah, let's go in. You can see it's very overgrown now because it's Shemitah year. Like you can see here, this is a bunch of overgrown sage. Mm -hmm. So this was like the sage corner. This is our herb garden. I think this is, that's chamomile and there's oh, some comfrey. Oh, oh. These are just really overgrown herbs in uh -huh. this area. Mm -hmm. And then these other beds are usually like vegetables, um, flowers, potatoes, kale, tomatoes, beans, garlic, garlic a lot of garlic. Yeah. There's a peach tree over there. And there's a little sign outside that says um, Hefcare, which means ownerless. And it's part of the laws of Shemitah that you can harvest in very specific ways. People whose land it is not can come and glean from the land. Um, and you're not supposed to pick things like you're, they're supposed to kind of like fall off. And that's like the way that you could harvest them during Shemitah year. It's amazing what happens when you to land go. when you let it go, right? Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, the golden rat is taller than us. Spending the day at Linka Flegel, I saw how much it mattered to people. They were so committed to the place and the project. So why was it closing? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. So part of our decision to leave was the feeling of like unsustainability of not having infrastructure and housing and running water and electricity, and how that really limited our ability to grow and to like become more of a community that like met our social and spiritual needs. And another part was just really wanting to move into a more sustainable organizational structure that like much more better like represented our community. We're currently like an all white, all Ashkenazi staff. And that, you know, didn't feel like what, you know, our vision was of in the long term. We were all kind of at a point of like having just poured so much of ourselves into this and really wanting new things to be birthed from this and feeling like it would have been like an overextension to try to like take what we had built and like transition into a whole new leadership body on a whole new piece of land. It felt like the more kind of powerful move would be to like follow the intention of Shemitah and release and support things to be born from what's been inspired here. How does that decision feel to you it feels like heartbreaking and also feels like the right thing like it feels like what we built has been so beautiful and also it's been really hard and um, doesn't feel like it's been sustainable and instead of trying to like muscle through and try to keep it going it feels I don't know like subversive to try something else and actually just commit to closing well so much of what capitalism teaches us is to be pro-growth and that that's like, and that really seeps into our nonprofit world is like, it's about growth and doing more, getting bigger, scaling up. And so, yeah, that's what feels subversive is the decision to actually be like, we're going to get smaller. We're going to close 
overall I feel like proud of us for making that choice it it feels like there's something really queer about like the slow process of ending and being really intentional I feel really grateful to get to be a part of this year-long process of closure and completion and something we talked a lot about over the last few years is just how like our ancestors didn't have the ability to leave land in a way in which there was like closure and completion and how by choosing to leave and giving ourselves a year to leave we have the ability to really leave with choice and dignity and the hope is that like that will be healing back on her bench Molly Bagot has some final thoughts. I know that there will continue to be ripple effects from this. I know that this land will still be here, and I was actually just making an intention in the car driving down. I was like, I want to come here once a year. Whether or not anyone's living here, whether or not this land is a place I can walk, I just want to come remember this. And I'm excited to see what gifts it you know, seeds in the future. Thank you for joining us for Can We Talk, the podcast of the Jewish Women's Archive. To learn more about Linka Flegel, the queer Jewish chicken farm and cultural organizing project in upstate New York, visit their website at linkaflegel.com. That's L-I-N-K-E-F-L-I-G-L.com. And follow them on Instagram, at Linkaflegal. Thanks to our sponsor, Cole Foods. The Can We Talk team includes Jen Richler and Judith Rosenbaum. Our theme music is by Girls in Trouble. For the rest of Can We Talk's fall season, I'm grateful to be handing the reins over to Jen Richler, who will be hosting the show until I'm back in the spring. While I'm gone, I'll be working on a series for my other podcast, Those Who Were There, about Jewish life in Vilna before, during, and after World War II. If you've missed any of Can We Talk's previous 80 episodes, you can catch up at jwa.org slash canwetalk or wherever you get your podcasts. Please share your favorite episodes with your friends and drop us a line at podcasts at jwa.org. I'm Nahani Rouse. You'll hear from Jen in a couple of weeks with an episode about Jewish women and seances. Turns out Jewish women were leaders of the spiritualist movement in the 1800s and early 1900s. It's going to be a great episode. 